Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 177 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Well, it's a scorcher. Temperatures have been hitting the high 20s Celsius. That's up in the 80s Fahrenheit. But it's a great time for continued inspections to make sure our colonies are queen right. Beekeeping short and sweet. A beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Welcome back, everyone, to yet another busy week here in Norfolk as we continue to work towards the cooler autumn days and weeks. You'd never know it was early September, given the last gasp heat wave that we've been having this week. I say heat wave, but the reality is we're not terribly used to temperatures in the high 20s Celsius. Middle of the road temperatures work best for us here generally. Those lovely Goldilocks temperatures. Not too cold, not too hot just right, if you know what I mean. Shorts and t-shirt weather, some warm sun on your back to make a little vitamin D, but not so hot that it prickles at your skin. I remember going on holiday a long time ago to Spain, a lovely coastal resort called Porto Banus. Our children were really quite young and the temperatures were hitting close to 40 degrees Celsius and you could feel the heat burning into you as soon as you stepped outside. Not the best conditions for this Brit who barely steps off these shores, but it was a lovely holiday. Anyway, I digress as normal, but bringing it back to the beekeeping, the temperatures of this week and it would appear into next week and beyond are very favourable for getting our colonies in good order, ready for the colder, shorter days of winter. The bees need conditions to be on their side to set themselves up for this period of the year, The warmer days and milder nights mean any nectar or syrup that gets stored can be quickly evaporated to lose water and sealed as honey or syrup without any danger of it fermenting in the cells. It's one of the main reasons we feed a heavy syrup at this time of the year. It also allows our bees to produce and utilise wax to create fresh comb to store that food in. We all know how brittle sheets of wax foundation can be when it's cold, snapping as soon as you look at it, it seems, sometimes. The same goes for any frames of extracted comb. Give it a day of cooler weather and a misguided brush against it will see all that hard work performed by the bees destroyed in a brief second or two. The cells just collapse into fragments of wax at the slightest touch, it seems, and all that hard work is destroyed. That's what happens when it gets colder. But as long as the temperatures hold up for a while longer, we can get colonies to draw out a little more wax, so any totally ruined frames you might have in your hive could still be replaced, but I would guard against replacing too many. The bees will have collected and stored a large quantity of pollen over the late summer period, and to remove that will deny the colony of much-needed protein 
for the young larvae that must necessarily be nurtured through the winter. I would also only do this with the strongest colonies. Here we go again, but it's true, my ongoing mantra of having enough resources holds true, particularly at this time of the year. Plenty of bees and plenty of food are required to build comb, so I would suggest caution where colonies may be a little on the smaller side. The food issue isn't a problem as we can all add a feeder, but again, don't expect miracles from your bees. It is still possible to perform a shook swarm. For me, this would only be in exceptional circumstances at this time of the year. Perhaps a very severe case of chalk brood, perhaps, or an inherited colony on very dark, almost useless comb. By that, I mean comb that's been in the hive for so many years that the cells are more clogged up and chewed, unusable and barely worked than not, thus preventing the colony from having a fighting chance of surviving the winter ahead. Again, that colony really needs to be big and strong. The more you force the bees to do, the stronger they need to be. And that goes for the size of frames you're giving them too. It will take a lot less effort for the bees to pull foundation on national brood frames than it would for them to draw out a frame in a commercial brood box, for instance. Just bear all of that in mind when you're assessing how far you think your bees can go in developing frames of foundation and then storing food in those cells. As ever, there are many ways to feed bees. Traditionally, a heavy sugar syrup would be fed at this time of the year. The reasoning behind this being that there's less water in the syrup for the bees to evaporate prior to storing it, and it has less of an effect on the queen's egg-laying rate. A lighter syrup mimicking a nectar flow and thus encouraging the queen to increase her egg laying rate as if it were spring. This is where it can all get a little too technical. Beekeepers fret about the exact amount of sugar to water, measuring grams and mils or ounces and fluid ounces. I really don't think it's that important. Before we switch to the Apimix syrups from modern beekeeping, I used to throw approximately twice the weight of sugar to hot tap water into a mixing bucket and stir. Moved around in the back of the truck meant that by the time we got to the apiary, the sugar had pretty much fully dissolved into the water, leaving us with a heavy sugar syrup of sorts. The bees didn't seem to complain very much and they overwintered well enough. But the beauty of beekeeping is that we can all work in the way that we want to and look after our bees how we see best and that suits us and our bees. If you want to be very specific about weights and measures for mixing syrup specifically, try 660 mils of water to one kilo of granulated sugar. But honestly though, if you use 630 mils or 690 mils, I really don't think the bees will notice that much. In terms of the origin of the sugar, again, I don't think this matters at all, really. Cane sugar or beet sugar, as long as it's white granulated sugar, it really doesn't matter. Here again, and for clarity, if you get lucky and find some really cheap caster sugar, then you could use that. I guess you could use icing sugar as well. It's just sugar. There is a lot of advice out there, often recycled, advising against all sorts of things or advising to do certain things. But one of the things that you'll hear is advice against using brown sugar of any type because of the impurities that are in it. 
and this would seem to make perfect sense. But once again, I've had beekeepers report that they've used brown sugar with no ill effects on their bees. That's the thing with beekeepers, always looking for a bargain. And if a sack of brown sugar is offered to them cheap enough, I suspect a lot would be tempted. Personally, I don't, but that's just my choice. More and more beekeepers I talk to are keen to feed fondant blocks in the autumn these days. Less mess, reasonably cheap to purchase as baker's fondant, and can be left on the colony long after the syrup and feeders have been removed. In fact, the fondant blocks are generally left on the colony all winter long. Colonies will need a water supply to utilise the fondant as they need, in this case, to increase the water content. It might be a good idea, if you find your colonies struggle with condensation over winter, to put fondant on the crime board, regardless of whether you've fed or not, as they will undoubtedly use that condensation to liquefy the fondant. Almost sounds like a win-win. My feeding regime is in full swing now. We started to feed colonies at the beginning of September, and here's another puzzle for new beekeepers. If you're treating for varroa, Many of the treatments will say don't feed and treat at the same time, yet the majority of treatments begun in August will still be in the brood boxes at the beginning of September. Don't worry, leave the treatments in place and start feeding. We do this every year and have never seen any negative effects because of it. Think of the instructions more as guidelines rather than rules. The big question a lot of beginner beekeepers also ask is how much to feed? And there's so much information out there. Websites will make recommendations based on stuff found in books or recycled during talks at local associations or passed down from beekeeper to another beekeeper. And most of it is very specific. The older the advice, the more specific it seems to be. Let me explain. If you were keeping bees Back in the 1950s, here in the UK, you would very likely have locally adapted native Apis mellifera mellifera, the native black bee. These colonies were generally frugal over winter, were more often smaller brood nests over winter, and had smaller clusters of bees in the brood box over winter. Their needs were relatively low, maybe needing only 20 to 30 pounds, that's about 10 kilos of stores, to survive successfully. Fast forward to today, and with larger colonies headed up by prolific queens, the colony requirements for overwintering are easily double, if not triple that amount. But as a baseline number, I think 15 to 20 kilos is sufficient for most average colonies these days. Many will cope with less, and yet some will need more. It's the nature of what the bees are like. All individual, with individual needs and requirements. Just like us, really. I don't think I could overwinter without a Christmas cake, for instance. We're all different, and that's just great. But I stray from the topic once more. Just going back to the syrup again, if you're mixing your own syrup, then that's great. But if you're buying it in, then I would definitely take a look at Modern Beekeeping's Appy Mix 75. A heavy syrup with added vitamins and minerals. My bees thrive on it. And no, I'm not being sponsored by Paul at Modern Beekeeping, certainly not at the moment. And I've just bought a pallet of jerry cans of Appy Mix 75 from him to put into our colonies. Every time we feed this syrup, the bees go mad for it. They store it rapidly, and the addition of those vitamins and minerals, I believe, really help the general health and well-being of the colonies. 
it may not be required. Other beekeepers swear by home mixed sugar syrup, others by separate additives to blend with their syrups, while others add essential oils. Each to their own, but I really don't have the time to mess about with all of that. And I just need a reliable and trusted product to feed to my bees to keep them strong and healthy over winter. I'll add a link to Paul's website for the Appymix 75. I would get it before he sells out. I think that pretty much covers all of the autumn feeding process. It's a simple enough task, but if left too late, we'll see you needing to add fondant at some stage to keep the bees from starvation in the late winter. Many beekeepers, including myself, will doubtless add fondant anyway, as a kind of belt and braces safety net. More for us, I suspect, than for the bees. So get feeding now and relax in the knowledge that your bees will be set for the winter. Inspections will gradually ease over the next few weeks. Unbelievably, I've had reports of swarms from some beekeepers. But if colonies are swarming now, they're probably colonies that you'll want to requeen in the spring, as they may well go on to swarm again and again once the spring warmth hits. There's not much you can do with a swarm at this time of the year. If you do collect any, I would tend to leave them for a week or so, check on their health, and then unite them with a weaker colony. They're unlikely to grow and develop into a large enough colony to overwinter, so it's better to give them a new home together with another weak box of bees and give both a chance of survival, rather than trying to coax them through. Again, I know there will be beekeepers out there who have done just that and have great colonies from September swarms, but those will be in the minority, I'm sure. And this is one situation that I think is not worth the effort and also the loss of frames and foundation. I've actually been uniting a couple more colonies this week. Newspaper at the ready. I noticed that the newspaper I have is dated early May of this year. Obviously, I've not united many colonies this season. These checks will go on until the end of the month when we will hopefully have settled everything down and be set for the task of cleaning all of the equipment and preparing for the winter routines of cleaning and preparation work for the new season next year. As beekeepers, if we put in the work now and get our colonies in tip-top shape, they'll reward us next season with a huge crop of honey. But don't quote me on that. One final thing you might want for next year, if you haven't already got it, is a podcast subscription. My podcast subscription will get you the very latest tips and techniques from me each week as they're released and help you with your beekeeping all year long. It will also cost a lot less than a replacement nuke. Now that's got to be worth it alone. Well, that's it for this week. I'll catch up with you all again next time. But for now, I'm Stuart Spinks and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Sweet.